0: From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. Welcome to the Frosty Podcast. I'm Derek Frost, joined as always by Tony Perenni. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Podcasts and, of course, Podbean. Uh, Tony, we've got a great show lined up for today. We're going to be going through some NFL news and notes uh, breaking trade happened in our league and later we're going to be joined by coach tim taft on the frosty hotline uh, we're going to ask him all the questions we've been asking all preseason and find out if he plans on sticking to his unorthodox trade practices uh, tony you ready to get going
1: i am ready to roll it feels like we're finally starting to get into a regular cadence with these things now i'm starting to starting to really get into the flow
0: yeah, you know, uh, the first one, I had to script out the whole thing because uh, I didn't know what I was going to say. But now we're pros. We just hit this thing rolling.
1: Yeah, and we're going to have a busy next week too as we get into draft season now. We are we are finally on the road to the draft, so to speak. So we have Tim tonight. We're going to do Kevin Hewlett Sunday morning. We'll have that podcast, so that will come out either Sunday night or early Monday. Then Monday night, we have Vince Provenzali, And then Wednesday night, we have Charlie Thurber, so the two newcomers to our league, coming up next week with the interviews for you guys. Then we're in a draft preview. Then we're into the draft. So it's all coming up real quick now.
0: It is flying through. The first kind of main date of our league has come and gone, and that is the trade opening, which occurred on the 12th. And already, we have a trade. Of course, not a uh, surprise. So, Tony, tell us about the trade.
1: Well, the, the trade with uh, me and Steve, uh, James Conner for George Kittle, Kittle coming my way has finally uh, gone through with with the beginning of the trade period. Um, I, we've, we've talked about this ad nauseum at this point, so we're not gonna go into a full breakdown of why, why this trade happened for either parties. We've already discussed all that. Um, it be interesting to see if anything else comes up this week. I don't expect a lot of noise to come on the trade front. As we mentioned before, these trades are pretty difficult to pull off given, you know, the limited amount of keepers everybody has going into it. So it's probably going to be a pretty quiet period, but we do have our first trade coming through. And I'm, I'm glad to have it done and be onward to the draft now and be able to look at it with
0: the team I'm going to have. Yeah, definitely. And just a reminder to everybody, when that trade occurs – Before the draft, the value of the keeper goes to the receiving team and both players traded or however many players are traded must be kept. So both George Kittle and uh, James Conner are going to be a lock to be kept as per the rules of the trade. All right, let's move on, because like you said, we've beat that horse to death. We talked last time about the running back situation in the NFL with, uh, with Zeke, with Todd Gurley. Um, we talked about Le'Veon Bell and, and – I'm sorry, not Todd Gurley – with uh, Zeke and Gort, Melvin Gordon. We talked about uh, Le'Veon Bell. We talked about Todd Gurley last year holding out and comparing to this year. But Zeke's not the only cowboy holding out, is he, Tony? Well, they have a little
1: bit of a contract situation going on right now with their quarterback, Dak Prescott. So um, he's always looking for franchise quarterback money. They allegedly offered him in the neighborhood of $30 million a year. He's asking for $40 million a year. Um, We'll see where that lands. What are your thoughts on that type of money for Dak Prescott?
0: So – First off, let me just say so Dak Prescott is due two million dollars this year off his rookie deal, severely underpaid. So I'm not against Dak Prescott going after more. I also understand negotiating tactics; you go for more. But forty million is ridiculous. The fact that the Cowboys offered him thirty million, if if we are to believe that, and I think there's some been some pretty good sources saying it's it was real. Thirty million is a hell of an offer. So Russell Wilson signed for 35 million. Super Bowl winning. Russell Wilson signed for 35 million. Dak Prescott has not won a Super Bowl, has won one playoff game. When Zeke Elliott's not in the roster, he's four for he's four and four. If we look at quarterback rating, if we go by the traditional quarterback rating last year. Dak Prescott is 15th in the league. If we go by ESPN's total quarterback rating, or QBR, he's 17th behind players like Andy Dalton. So the thought that this guy can come in and and demand Russell Wilson money is ridiculous.
1: I agree a hundred percent with you and none of it matters at all. As, as everyone knows with quarterback contracts in this league, if you were the next man up, you were going to set the next benchmark and that's, that's what's going to happen with Dak here. The Cowboys are in a situation now where uh, you probably don't want to see what's behind door number two. You already have a quarterback who's taking you to the playoffs who works in your system. Is he a world beater? Absolutely not. And I, they know that, but He might beat the alternative. So they're back into a corner. They have to give out a contract that's going to set a new benchmark for quarterbacks everywhere that somebody else will beat come next year. Um, And at the end of the day, they're going to have a lot of money tied up into a quarterback that, as you said, isn't even in the top 15 in the league.
0: Yeah, and and I'm with you. I understand the the situation the Cowboys are in, especially with Zeke holding out, too. And look, the Cowboys are in a win-now mentality, right? They're not rebuilding they are built they need to win a super bowl soon jason garrett's in the last year of his contract jerry jones is what 77 he wants a super bowl so it makes sense especially with both guys being gone or be holding out and amari cooper's contract ending next year and he's gonna want his due also so it makes sense that dak prescott's looking for this money so tony what do you think when all said and done that Dak's gonna end up signing
1: for. First off, I honestly feel like Jason Garrett's been on the last year of his contract for five years now. And he just just, just keep giving him one-year deals over <laughs> and over. He's like he's just constantly in a prove it here. A poor guy. <laughs> um, I, I think I think Dak is gonna get in the neighborhood of that 35 million, maybe a little bit more, just so they can say uh he's the highest paid QB ever. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the contracts there. They might make his average value be a little less than that, but pump up the guaranteed money so they can say, you know, most guaranteed money ever given out in a contract. Um, probably something like that is going to happen. It's just inter- it's an interesting point you bring up with the three guys they have coming up with contracts right now. There are three stars on offense. So you got Dak, you have Zeke, you have Cooper. And it's amazing that of those three, the one guy who probably should set the benchmark for his position in in salary might be the one who doesn't end up doing it in Zeke. But you're you're gonna see at the quarterback position, at the wide receiver position, you know, Dak and Cooper are going to get paid because it's just what happens at that at that position. Um just links back to our discussion we had before where it's it's a hard knock life being a running back in this league.
0: Yeah. It, and it it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens here when all said and done. Uh, I agree with you. I think Zeke's the one who's going to end up taking the lesser contract. Jack, I don't think, will. But the Cowboys have got to start getting these guys in. And I don't think anybody cares about the preseason or training camp. Although with Amari Cooper being relatively new to the Cowboys, it would be nice to make sure that gets all set up. You know, But at the end of the day, if none of them play a preseason down... And I should say Amari's there. But if Dak or Zeke end up not really playing in the preseason, I don't think anybody cares as long as they show up week one. And this is where it comes into fantasy implications is what, what is the likelihood that one or both guys don't? Because if, if Zeke, let's say Zeke holds out beyond the first game of the season, which is looking more and more likely now. Last time we talked, it was looking very less likely. But let's say he does. And we talked about the fact that Dak is not nearly the quarterback without Zeke. What does that mean for a fantasy owner?
1: Oh uh, Yeah, if Zeke is not there, then Dak and Cooper's uh, value goes way, way down. Way down. It's it's all dependent on Zeke for those two guys. If he's in the offense and defenses have to account for him and his rushing abilities, that opens up everything for Dak and for Mari. Um, so if, if Zeke carries this holdout into the season, I'm still not convinced he's going to do it. I feel like he's going to come at the last second. I feel like he's probably going to miss the entire all training camp at this point. It's probably going to be like from the Le'Veon situation two years ago where he just misses all training camp and comes week one and they plug him in and he does great and everybody forgets about it afterwards. But if he does hold out into the season, it's definitely going to affect Dak and Amari. and It'll be interesting to see what that does to their draft values in a week and a half now. Um, you know, Cooper, you're probably looking in upper $30 range for him. If, uh, if you're not convinced Zeke's going to be there for the first couple games, that might hurt his value a little bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this is the interesting thing about Ezekiel Elliott. He, you, you've been able to get him kind of cheap and, and he was on my team, uh, the last two years. And I was, I was, going into the season where he was going to be suspended as a possible keeper. And I ended up putting him back out there and got him significantly cheaper. And I think that might be a situation that coach Gorgonzola is going to find himself in that, you know, he may not be worth the money to keep him, but rather put him back out there, especially if his contract hasn't been done at that point, And he's looking like he's going to miss some games and then hope that he doesn't. Yeah, that's a
1: rough situation for Vince because we're going to talk to him next Monday, and that is the night of the keeper deadline. So, uh, I mean, probably by the time we're actually recording it, the keepers will already be in. So we'll already know what his decision was at that point. So he's running out of time, and Zeke really isn't helping him out with the situation at all. So he's kind of kind of has to go into a blind, uh, you know, make a call. Do you think he's going to be there? Do you think he's not going to be there? And just go with it.
0: Yeah. And I think these are some of the big storylines in the preseason that that have major fantasy implications and are going to be fun to see how they finish up.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, moving on from, from one quarterback who's trying to get rich to one that already is. Uh, Derek, what in the world is going on with Andrew Luck right now?
0: So Andrew Luck is a fascinating story. All offseason, we've heard about this calf strain issue. And you would have thought that, you know, a muscular injury, you know, guys get them all the time. They should heal up. No problem. But it got really complicated. So yesterday, Tuesday, Jim Irsay comes out and says Andrew Luck is dealing with a, quote, little bone problem. Um, now, the only little bones I know of on your lower body are in your feet. So I, I immediately thought that he did something to his foot. Uh, But now it's coming out today that it is some type of high ankle injury. Now, this has been a developing story throughout the day, and we haven't heard from really any of the team docs, but he appears to have two separate injuries. So this isn't the same thing. So he has the calf injury that's been going on, and now he has this high ankle injury that is new. So all offseason, we've heard Andrew Luck's going to be fine. He's going to start the season. Everything's going to be fine. Now, all of a sudden, he's been ruled out all of preseason, which, again, we've talked about. Who cares? But now that status for week one is very, very questionable. And from the reports we're hearing today, almost seems doubtful. So this Andrew Luck situation is kind of a mess. Yeah,
1: this is weird. And... I don't want to say it feels like it did a couple years ago with the Andrew Luck situation. I don't think it's to that degree um, where, you know, a couple years ago they kept getting closer and closer to the season, um, kept making it seem like he's going to be fine, but he wasn't even throwing at all. So it was very evident that things weren't going to be fine here I and mean, he hasn't practiced yet, but got to think that, it isn't going to take him much time to get up to speed in this this offense that he's already played in for a year. But the fact that he hasn't practiced yet tells me that this isn't just coach speak at this point. Um, from my time coaching, I'm pretty good at reading coach speak at this point. And if the guy has not been suiting up at all, especially this week, um, our Browns are down there in Indy practicing with them, and that's a that's a big big week in the NFL schedule. You get to practice against another NFL team without all the cameras of a national audience watching you. So you can actually run stuff that you're going to run. Um, and Andrew Luck's not participating in any of it. That, that speaks volumes to me. Uh, I, I had a conversation with Steve uh, last week offline. Uh, and he, he mentioned Andrew Luck to me and I, I mentioned him. I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. I thought he was going to be ready for week one. And I think I have to amend that statement at this point because uh, I I'm, really thinking he might not be there for week one now, and this might percolate into the season a little bit.
0: And here's the thing. We don't know what this injury is. They're just saying it's a high ankle injury. Is it a sprain? We don't know. Is it a strain? We don't know. So it's hard to sit back here from from our perspective and make any type of prediction, not knowing what the problem is, but everything out of Colts camp, is sounding really bad. And then whatever Jim Ursay was talking about, uh, I, I'm not really sure, because if he was talking about a little bone issue being his high ankle, uh, that's, uh, that's a different issue.
1: Yeah, Jim Merce is a little bit of an oddball, too. So who knows if that's just him out there in the media trying to throw people off the scent or something. At, at this point, they might as well just come out with a hockey designation and say it's a lower body injury. Um, timetable, open. Um, but yeah it's interesting Um, the Colts have been notoriously secretive with their injury uh, information over the years so you're really not going to get a whole lot out of them to know whether or not he's going to be there week one or not all you can really read is whether the guy's on the field right now he isn't which leads me to think uh, in a week and a half on draft night that's definitely going to impact some decisions being made because if you think of it as a 10 team league, you're going to have 10 guys that are you know, immediate starting quarterbacks. And from a fantasy standpoint, he would absolutely factor into that. If he's healthy, um, he might even factor into it right now, even with his uncertain status, but it kind of puts a cloud over him. So uh, some people are going to have some tough decisions to make come Monday night.
0: Yeah. And we talked about Dak Prescott being 15 and 17 in the quarterback rankings in both the quarterback rating and the ESPN total QBR. Andrew Lux, number five, Uh, And looking up here now to see where he is in player rank. He's fifth ranked in fantasy also. So, yeah, he's definitely a guy that would have gone on draft day normally, probably relatively early. But this is this is going to be concerning. Now, Tony, how concerned are you overall with Andrew Luck? So we have the shoulder issues. Now we're having leg issues that aren't healing. Is this the beginning of the end of Andrew Luck?
1: It's a fair question at this point. And I think the question for me on luck has always been, um, you know, all all quarterbacks face some injuries, but he seems to be a guy, and I'm not questioning the shoulder injury at this point. That was obviously very serious, but um, something that might be just an ankle thing. I'm not sure he's a guy that's going to play through a lot of small nagging things um, at this point. Uh, just does, He doesn't seem like the guy who's going to go out there and – uh, put his body in peril if he thinks there's something wrong. So um, I don't want to call it like a Kawhi Leonard situation where uh, he might think better than the team's doctors or something like that and think something's wrong with them when maybe they're giving him clearance. That, that's completely putting words in a lot of people's mouths right there. But um, I, I think it's I think it's fair to question um, whether he will play through some nagging injuries like that. Yeah. So, um, from a fantasy standpoint, especially in a keeper league that could tend to hurt his value. I mean, this is two of the last three years now we've had major injury concerns with him. Um, and I guess still waiting to see how major this actually is, but the fact that he might not be ready for week one kind of scares you a little.
0: It, It does. And I guess if in the situation where Andrew Luck has this nagging injury, and he can sit the first week or two of the regular season, get it cleared up, be 100% coming into let's say week 3 and be good for the rest of the season. As a fantasy owner, I would rather do that, play my backup the first couple weeks than have injury luck have this injury come in, come out week 1, have this injury and have it get to the point in October, November where he can't play or is, you know, 50% of himself and start putting up crap numbers and and You know, then it has a lot of downstream effects for the rest of the Colts team. So if this is something that we can get cleared up in the first couple weeks of the season, then please, by all means, sit. Um, But otherwise, I'm with you. I mean, is he going to be able to play through nagging injuries or or what is the issue?
1: Exactly. It it turns into the Carson Wentz situation from last year at that point, sits out the first couple games. You think he's going to come back. Right. Turns out he never really fully healed from that injury. And then he starts overcompensating for that injury. Um, and hurts his back from, from the ACL tear and ends up just being a complete lost season for him from both a, a real football standpoint and a fantasy standpoint. If they don't have Nick Foles behind them in Philly. They end up missing the playoffs for sure. Um, so this kind of smells like that a little bit. If he carries this into the season, he might not have time to really heal from it. Um, and this could be nagging all year round. So, um, definitely something worth watching as draft day comes closer, um, and on on the injury note, uh, I, I want to put all fantasy owners on notice here. So everybody, any any pieces of pine or oak or any any type of wood you have around you, get close to you, start knocking, because I'm gonna start I'm gonna start awakening jinxes with this next statement. Derek, <laughs> we have not had many injuries at all to speak of so far in this preseason, and there's two ways you can look at that. There's one way to look at, okay, that's great. We haven't lost anybody at this point. Um, maybe everybody's going to go into the season being healthy this time of year. Or you can go the way I'm looking at it, whereas um not, not sure I'm a guy who believes in jinxes, but I believe in statistics and probability, and I'm not of the belief that uh, there's just going to be less injuries this year than normal. So that leaves me to think the big injuries are yet to come. And we have a keeper deadline coming up in a couple of days. days uh, where, you know, don't want to put it out there, but I got to put it out there at this point, especially someone like me who's been hit by the injury bug big time. There's injuries to come, people.
0: You know, I'm a little surprised you bring all this up because of your history with injuries. I figured you'd be like, you know, not talking to the pitcher going for a perfect game. Uh, no, Tony's coming right out and talking about it. You know, and here's the thing. We're we're a week and a half into the preseason. Uh, we had the A.J. Green injury, but that looks like he's going to be okay. So you're right. There haven't been any, like, oh, my God, that guy's out for the season. But right now we're in week two. So our starters are going to get a little more preseason game time. Obviously, we know week three is the big dress rehearsal. Uh, and then week four, we probably won't see starters. This week, they're also practicing with the other NFL teams Uh, and then you know so I'm not terribly surprised we haven't had any big injuries yet but I'm with you the big injury or injuries are coming there's going to be a couple there always are and you kind of want to get them out of the way early so you know but at this point keepers are about to be due and we haven't seen them
1: Yeah, you're right. None of this is shocking, especially with the way teams are starting to treat the preseason, treat training camp now. You know, practice is a little lighter than they used to be. The Rams showed last year, you don't even have to play your guys at all in the preseason. You can come into the regular season hitting on all cylinders and make it to the Super Bowl. So you're seeing more teams now hold out their starters from these preseason games, maybe only playing a couple series here or there. It'll be interesting to see what happens week three of the preseason, which, as you mentioned, has normally been the dress rehearsal. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some teams that just shut it down early, especially after this week of practicing with other NFL teams. They might treat that as the real dress rehearsal. So I don't believe that we're just going to get out of this season unscathed from the injury bug. All this this is doing from a preseason standpoint is pushing the injuries back into the season now, whether that's late, late in training camp or whether that's week one, week two. Um, From a fantasy football standpoint, that has to scare the hell out of owners.
0: It would definitely scare me, and I'm not even an owner. So I I have to imagine. Now, we will talk to Tim here in a little bit. Uh, He has not been hurt too, too much by the injury bug, but definitely is trying to get some guys at high value. Um, I think arguably he wasn't very successful at doing that. So we'll talk to Tim here next. Uh, See what his plan is for this year, as well as talk about his unfortunate season last year. Stick with us on the Frosty Podcast. I'm Derek Frost from the Frosty Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to listen to our other podcasts from Steel Valley Media. And without further ado, here's more Frosty Podcast. Joining us on the Frosty Hotline is a coach who has been pretty solid in the league. Except for last year, where he finished 6-7, showed up in the Toilet Bowl playoffs, but fortunately was able to get a first-round victory to clear himself of the ACT burden. That is Coach Tim Taft.
2: Tim, welcome to the show. Yeah, happy to be here. Greetings from the nation's capital. So, let's talk about last season. You...
0: Kind of, sh- you struggled. I mean, I'll, we'll be honest here. You've made the playoffs in the past in this league, but last year just things didn't click. What uh, what happened?
2: That's a good question. Uh, had a pretty good run of my man, Adam Thielen, in the early go there. He was looking like a, shit, a top five wide receiver, I guess, there for a bit. Uh, took some... Took some gambles on the running backs. Didn't work out for uh, for David Johnson last year. That the Cardinals' offense was uh, more abundant, best. And then really invested in the Broncos' backfield, uh, which was you know not the not the worst idea, but it didn't exactly play out to the to the volume I was hoping for. Never really found my footing, I guess, from a wide receiver standpoint. You know, happy with some individual finds like Deshaun Watson, but. You know, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's points on the board and they just weren't there for me most weeks.
1: Tim, was there yeah. any any real difference in your uh, in your strategy last season uh, with the way you constructed your roster from previous seasons when you made the playoffs?
2: Uh, I mean, when you put it that way, I don't know that there was anything really that stood out for me. Um, I guess historically I tend to not spend as much on running backs. I think last year was the year that I really decided I needed to have a, a stud back there as opposed to kind of taking a, you know, $30 approach to get two or three guys and then see who pans out. So I think maybe I was a little bit, um, a little bit aggressive with the running back, just seeing around the league what happens when you have a guy like a Todd Gurley or a, you know, Christian McCaffrey, something like that. I wanted my version of that. So I went and spent on it pretty big. And then, you know, that guy has a down year and that's how you end up at the toilet bowl playoffs.
1: I know all about it from the David Johnson standpoint. He he bit me the year before with that wrist injury in week one and uh, never came back. So that's two straight seasons for David Johnson now where he's disappointed fantasy owners.
2: That's right. That's right. The early projections are that they're looking for a a rebound season out of him. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement there in Arizona. So, uh, you know, spoiler alert, he's going to be one of my keepers. uh, So let's hope uh, third time is a charm.
0: So David Johnson is going to be a keeper.
2: That's right. You heard it here first.
0: That's some breaking
1: news right there. Get that button ready,
0: Derek. This is breaking news. That is some breaking news and shocking news. So you you had him for fifty seven last year, which means he's going to cost you sixty two to keep him, and ESPN is only projecting a forty seven dollar auction value. So you are you think ESPN? is behind on David Johnson. You think this is the year he's going to come back and you're willing to pay more than ESPN thinks you should pay for him?
2: Yeah, I don't know if they're behind. I mean, I think the market rate they're probably projecting is fine. But, you know, you go through and look at the the running back ranks there and, you know, the people in the pile don't inspire me. And I know everyone's going to keep their guys' How Steve seems to keep four top 10 running backs every single year. So, you know, here I have a guy projected to be a top fiver. Even if the value doesn't quite match up, I've always subscribed to the old uh, "bird in the hand we worth two in the bush." So if it's sixty-two, uh, well, as you'll note from last year, I, I do have a habit of, uh, of finding value and filling out my roster, maybe not using all of my budget. So hell, maybe this is the year that uh, that extra d- uh, dollars come in handy, just to secure a guy I think is going to be a, a top ten running back, if not a top five. Um, you know, basically paying uh, paying the tax on uh, On that, hoping it'll pan out,
0: you know, and you bring up a good point that, you know, it'd be interesting to see how many of these top 10 running backs are even in the draft, because I do think you're right. I think most of them are going to be kept. So if you do have a top 10 guy that does it changes the value, you're going to be in a bidding war with the three or four teams that don't have a a solid running back. And those numbers are going to keep escalating because even in a PPR league, running back is still king.
2: Right. I mean, do we honestly think that David Johnson is going to go for 42 in our league regardless? I mean, they're sort of projecting in the abstract, whereas I think we understand our situation a little better. So, yeah, it's a little higher than you want to pay, you know, sort of according to the math, according to the sheets. But uh, it's a different animal in our league and the power is kind of concentrated in a couple key teams. So I'm not going to be the guy that doesn't have a top one running back, at, you know, a strong RB1. Um, and if I have to pay to, to pay to keep him, that's what I'll do.
0: And so you talked about kind of having some money left over in the draft last year. So to that point, you spent one eighty five in the draft, including keepers last year. So you left fifteen dollars on the table. Um, obviously, I don't. I don't think that was an intentional. But what uh, what you find in the draft last year that that had you at the end hanging on to an extra fifteen dollars?
2: Yeah, it wasn't that I was like hanging on, waiting to spend it. I-, I think what happened is I ended up, you know, I went into that draft. Ah, shit. I can't even remember historically who I kept coming into it, but obviously I had some dollars, some dollars to spend because I think I shed guys like with Sean McCoy, who I didn't want to keep around, you know, projecting his decline. So I guess I saved myself some stress there. Um, on that one. Yeah. A little, yeah. A little bit of, Prescience on my part. Yeah, Tim, you kept Adam Thielen for
0: eight, Mm -hmm. and you kept Deshaun Watson for six.
2: Yeah, so there you go. I mean, going into the draft, I probably had more dollars to spend than most people, and I think what happened is I probably lost a couple bidding wars early on that I maybe mm, probably could have upped the ante on, you know, not expecting the dearth of talent towards the end. So yeah, I I guess ultimately maybe I probably could have, could have pushed the envelope a little bit more in the early rounds. Um, you know, so it wasn't intentional for me to kind of like save it for later. Cause obviously once you get towards the end, I mean, hell three bucks is going to get you some, some depth. So, uh, probably just the miscalculation on my part should have went a little bit bigger on some of those running back bids, maybe even filled out, you know, stronger, uh, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, kind of a, Kind of a position but you know that's that's the way it shakes out sometimes you never want to leave cash on the board because it can't carry over it to next year but uh i think this year i'll be a little bit more aggressive in the early rounds
1: so what'd you spend the 15 dollars savings on
2: yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> well i you know i saved it for this year to pay the david johnson tax
1: that's fair that's fair <laughs> <laughs> I, I well, think the David Johnson news is going to be really big on our league wire because I don't think anybody's expecting you to keep him. Because yeah, um, yeah, looking at 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 the price tag, and uh, you bring up you bring up a good point with the elevated values that we have when we draft in our league, you know, as opposed to the ESPN draft values, because the obvious difference there is that we take a lot of those top players out of the draft by doing our keepers, and that that elevates the price of those that next tier. So. The pain of sixty-two bucks is more just an advanced draft pick on your side. It, it's very possible that um, he could go for around sixty dollars in, in our league, depending on what else is out there at the running back position. So I I think there's going to be a couple eyebrows raised when this podcast drops and people hear that uh, David Johnson is already off the board.
2: Yeah, well, no good because you know as much as I I do trust the experts at ESPN. Uh, you know, you never want to be beholden to some sort of, you know, hard and fast rule that just doesn't have practical application. So that's fine. Yeah. You know, for anyone who's looking forward to David Johnson, looking forward to that bid, uh, tough luck, I guess you'll just have to settle for uh, Phil Lindsay, Phil Lindsay, breaking news, not a keeper for me.
0: <laughs> you know, and this is something that, that Pestian brought up last time when we talked to him about the, you know, the, that the, the ESPN rankings are probably falsely low because of the whole keeper thing. You know, so basically the way I understand ESPN gets their numbers is from all of these auction drafts, uh, you know, what, what, what players are going for in auction drafts, either in real drafts or in mock drafts where mm-hmm. all the players are available, right? So you're drafting Zeke, you're drafting Kamara, you're drafting all these guys that, that we're keeping Todd Gurley's, et cetera. So, it's something that uh, we are going to monitor going into this year is what our league does compared to what ESPN's average auction values are to potentially show that difference and and find out if our league, how different it is from the average.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise here. I'm not the math guy, so you can kind of leave me out of that conversation. But I expect there's going to be some sort of um, some sort of. Oh, shit, I don't even know what the term would be. What you're basically looking at is whatever ESPN says the auction value of a dude should be, there's probably some percentage difference, right? You can basically just assume, okay, uh, you're gonna pay this much more to keep this guy, or the bid for that man will be, you know, X amount more. Again, is it a variable? I don't understand. Is it sort of a, is it a ratio? Is it a quotient? I don't know these words. But I just think that in our league specifically, it's just it's just higher. It's just higher, and we can't take that stuff at face value. Hey, more power to whoever does, right, and says I'm the, the fool for keeping David Johnson. But I just think, yeah, to your point, if you dug into the numbers a little bit, you could come with a really accurate representation to say, hey, if you all want to follow the ESPN ranks, what you actually need to do is add a 33% premium on top of it to get a more accurate representation.
1: And that According to Dave, that inflation is 25%. He, he, uh, okay. he, that was he dropped that during the last podcast. We, we just had this conversation. It's it's funny that it's coming up again this time because def- people are definitely noticing uh, that the ESPN rankings might not be telling the full story that you're seeing uh, in a week and a half.
2: Well, and you can tell, Dave, I didn't listen to his podcast. So that's an original thought as far as I'm concerned. <laughs>
0: If you didn't hear it, it's original. Love it. That's it. That's
1: it. You dropped thirty-three percent. We're gonna we're gonna hold you to it. We're gonna see where the numbers (laughs)
2: go. Cool. You're gonna hold my math against Dave's. Great. That's a good idea. Algebra three versus what? AP Calc.
0: Well, Dave was uh, five or six beers in when he made that prediction. So uh, drunk Dave
2: is way better than sober Tim when it comes to math. I'll tell you that. That's a fact.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. So yeah, we will find out that number and we'll report it here on the podcast after the draft. And we will see who is right. Is it Dave Fetchum or Tim Taft? (laughs) Now, Tim switching gears over to keepers and we've already talked about keepers, I guess a little bit. Um, Looking at last year's keepers, Adam Thielen, you kept for eight and going from ESPN's auction value, which may or may not be accurate. We'll find out soon. uh, They had uh, Adam Thielen for 28 on average. So you kept him for a value of 20. Now, I know you're not a big podcast listener, so I'll tell you about the Frosty score we developed. It basically is a scoring system for what value were you able to keep the player for. Um, So it penalizes you if you were um, significantly above what ESPN had the auction value and how many points the player earned over the year and what player ranking the player earned over the year. So the highest Frosty score... Uh, From last year. Belonged to our Tony Perenni. At 177. And the lowest. Was no surprise. Le'Veon Bell from Hulick's team. At a negative 100. So. That being said. When we look at your keepers from last year. Adam Thielen. Was the fourth best keeper. By the Frosty score. Of a positive 71. And Deshaun Watson came in at ranking number 11 with a frosty score of 13. So last year your keepers were very good in the top half. So oh. you've already dropped that David Johnson is going to be a keeper. Now, fast forwarding to next year and we talk about the frosty score, you're going to be down in that because of the ESPN average auction value versus what you're going to take them at. Uh, mm-hmm. Not, not that I think you care about that, but, nope. uh, you know, so you have at least a, a one-year track record of good keepers. So who else is on that list for you besides David
2: Johnson? Well, we're going to run it back with our uh, with our trigger man, with Deshaun Watson. So we're going to add another uh, another year of tax onto him and uh, and keep him on the uh, yet-to-be-named Taft squad. So it's going to be David Johnson and Deshaun Watson uh, in the backfield. And then... Uh, we're gonna keep our guy Adam Thielen out there on the, uh, out there on the on the edge. So, I uh, got the wide receiver QB RB combo just to kind of build a foundation there on, on offense.
0: Yeah, and just for to drop the stats on those guys. Uh, so Deshaun Watson you kept last year for six. So this year he's gonna cost you eleven. Uh, fourth fourth ranked quarterback. You're gonna get a value of negative one point eight. So that's a throwaway. That's that's pretty much just a advanced draft. Adam Thielen, though, you got him for eight last year, so he's going to cost you thirteen. Still, only half the value ESPN has, which is twenty six. So it's a value of positive thirteen for you. So it's definitely a, uh, a a very great value for Adam Thielen again this year.
2: Yeah, I like the sounds of that. I mean, I think you have to be realistic about uh, expectations. I don't know that he's going to be a you know, I think at one point I don't know if he was the top wide receiver, or if he was top three, he was somewhere in there for those those first few weeks. But you know, the volume's there, the the connection with the quarterbacks there, the the talents there. I mean, he's a guy that I'm not going to just let go lightly, especially given um, you know same situation as the running backs. The top wide receivers are have been claimed, and I think you really have to look for value in the draft and uh, in in a bit of a roll of the dice, get a little bit lucky, but. Uh, like I said, I'd rather go with the security of knowing that I've got a guy like Thielen at that rate, than you know rolling the dice in the draft for an unknown commodity.
1: Now there's one where the ESPN rankings are ridiculous on Adam Thielen. You said that he's going for twenty six dollars according to ESPN, Eric. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, he's going to go for forty plus in our league. I I can almost guarantee it if he was in the draft just with him, the way he performed last year especially early on in the season um and if he made it to the draft there would probably be some other receivers that would be out of the picture so in reality that the frosty score uh that you're going to have on him next season should be even higher um because I mean, he's, he's he's a top receiver in his league
2: yeah i mean for reference there's one thing i do remember about last year's draft that i paid 20 something for chris hogan right so you're basically talking about you know chris hogan price for i mean what antonio brown productivity essentially so you know that's not apples to apples it's not a perfect comparison but it's to your point about what the rates are in our league uh yeah i'm i'm very comfortable keeping Thielen at that at that rate especially knowing that in all likelihood if he's not a top 10 receiver he'll be a top 15 receiver so i'm cool with that
1: so you, at about the end of the season, you have a practice as do, as do I of, of looking at the waiver wire and seeing guys who were cut earlier on in the year who may have gotten injured and might have a good value to them from a keeper standpoint. Um, right. When they get healthy for the next season, come back around. Um, you picked up a couple guys at the end of last year. Uh, Cooper Cup spent most of the season on my roster. I decided early on in the process I wasn't going to keep him uh, for this year, so I dropped him. I think he was around five bucks. You picked him up. Um, I, I Darius Geis, I know you picked up too in that same fashion. Um, what's the thought process behind not keeping any of the guys that you were able to pull off the waiver wire late in the season?
2: Yeah, I guess I'm a little more conservative than some then. Um because, you know, we only get the three, right? So who does who does Geis replace, right? Who does who does Cup replace? You know, if you're doing, you know, running back to running back, receiver to receiver, you know, I'd rather have Thielen than Cup, and I'd rather have Johnson to Geis just because of the unknowns there, right? the Cooper Cup injury, you know, jumps back up again. Well, great. Then not only did I lose Cooper Cup, I I lost Adam Thielen potentially. Um, so you know, it's a little bit more conservative. Um, maybe that's why I tend to finish fifth in the league pretty consistently. Um, but yeah, it's just hard for me to to look at a guy like like Geis with you know, with his injury and, and sort of I love the opportunity. Obviously, there's a reason I picked him up. You know, I I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be sitting here with him on my roster if I didn't think it was worthwhile to at least have the first look at him. um, You know, as compared to the rest of the league. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's just going to be hard for me to, uh, to look at guys like Cup and Geiss and and keep them over. You know, guys I know. Look, you look at my rankings. Let's be honest. I don't have that many top ten performers at any position, and so the guys I'm keeping are the ones I historically know to be that. Whereas I think guys and Cup, their ceiling is maybe just a little bit lower.
1: Yeah, and the injury situations with those guys coming back has to be concerning too. So those guys you get off the scrap heap late in the year have both uh, simultaneously have great value, but they also have great risk because uh, guys coming back from uh, injuries the year after, specifically ACL injuries, which I believe both of them are coming off of, uh, haven't fared too well the season directly following the injury so um probably a good call on your point to uh stay away from those guys for this year and just let them go back in the draft
2: yeah and you look at what can happen in an offseason you don't know how circumstances are going to change you might uh you might be finding yourself looking at david johnson a little bit differently here if you know there's no cliff kingsbury if there's no kyler murray um so maybe in that situation yeah maybe 62 does sound too rich for my blood i'd rather take a spin with geist and then maybe pay for, you know, what constitutes a top tier running back in the draft. So, uh, you know, for me, it's just always about having that first look, seeing how the offseason plays out. And then, um, you know, every now and again, you'd be you'd be glad you picked that guy up off the scrap heap. But for me this year, uh, it's not going to play out that way. They're going to go back into the uh, general population. All
0: right, Tim. So you're going to have about one hundred and fourteen dollars left here in the draft, um, which, you know, I would say is probably lower than most of the guys we've talked to in the league. Mm -hmm. So what's your strategy here? So you have, you talked about the trio, you have the quarterback, you have the running back, you have the wide receiver. Uh, Who's going to get that next top amount in the draft?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, you look at the roster and yeah, whatever you think of what I'm paying for it, I have bona fide RB one, wide receiver one QB one, right. And potentially top 10 guys at all those positions. So what do I want moving forward? Well, I know I'm really not going to get my hands on another bonafide RB one, uh, just in looking at the ranks, I think all those dudes are claimed unless, you know, somebody's really, uh, in a bit of a, a cap crunch as it were, then I don't expect too much to happen in the draft with guys that have been in the league. So maybe there's an opportunity there to uh, take some speculative bids on some of the rookie running backs that are coming to the league. I I expect those bidding wars to get a little bit um, aggressive, maybe finding some talent that uh, maybe is a little underappreciated from last year and, and trying to get some value there. So uh, it's hard to say where exactly the dollars are going to go. You know, I might pay a higher premium to secure a tight end just because they're, you know, slimmer and slimmer and, and, you know, the ones that you can count on really, there's, there just, isn't that many. So maybe if one comes up in that, you know, early on, you might see me get a little aggressive there, you know, not to, uh, not to open the kimono too wide here, but uh, you know, I think you'll see me be a little bit more aggressive because I just don't want to leave dollars on the table, but it's like we talked about earlier. I may not have dollars left on the table, given that I, I tried to secure you know, my top tier before the draft rather than during.
1: I think people are going to be competing hard for those tight ends. I think there's going to be a lot of aggressive spending. We we've talked about it quite a bit on these podcasts, just uh, what a wasteland the tight end position is going to be in the draft because at at a minimum, the top three guys are not going to be there. We talked to Dave last week. Um, he's, he's kicking around the idea of keeping Jared Cook on his side just because of how how bad the tight end position is out there. Um, I, I think you're definitely going to have some competition going out for tight ends out there. If that's the position you tend you decide you want to spend up for.
2: Well, yeah, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't, right? Because I think if it's going to be a premium on tight ends, and you start to see those those prices rise higher than whoever's carrying what we may consider a you know a higher balance coming into the draft, well, maybe they weren't expecting to spend fifteen dollars on a tight end, twenty bucks on a tight end. But there you go. So whatever advantage they had over me in terms of dollars coming into the draft, um, you know, maybe went to a tight end rather than a, uh, you know, RB2 or something like that. So, you know, I'm kind of I let the draft come to me. You know, I, I my strategy is just to is to build strong foundations and then see where I can improve. Um, I feel good about that right now. Um, you know, again, to, to last year's point, maybe I could have been a little more aggressive at the front. So. We'll see. Maybe the first uh, first five, ten uh, players on the on the block. You know, maybe I'm out there shooting my shot, seeing what happens. But uh, you know, but I'm also content to find value where where it exists too, no matter the position.
0: So, Tim, you brought up last year, and we talked about the fact that you were in the toilet bowl playoffs last year, but but survived through. And you were somebody who, at the end of the year, was uh, pretty out against the act. So, what what's your take on the ACT? Is it too harsh? Um, do you have any ideas for something new, or or you know, have any of the ideas brought up on the podcast resonated with you so far?
2: Well, admittedly, uh, as uh, as a one time listener, uh, this is just hearing for the first time the let's call it the Reedy Amendment. Uh, I like this concept of having the test be taken maybe outside the context of the traditional academic and uh you know administrative world right where, where we can we can have fun with it for me the whole point was to you know to get people together and to um you know kind of have a, another reason to celebrate you know the league and and its continuation so um this sort of reading model where we we administer it independently uh whether it's at a bar whether it's you know Somebody's house, something like that. I think that speaks to the spirit of what this thing's all about. Um, definitely going to be a shaming element, uh, which is going to be great. That's kind of that's kind of what I'm here for. Um, but yeah, I, I think once you remove the administrative component, then that's uh, definitely a more appealing option. So, despite the fact that uh, <laughs> maybe not all that confident in my ability to avoid the ACT shame uh, anymore, uh, and not as much as I used to, um, I think we keep it on the table. I think we finally find a way to make it happen. Because um, if we don't do it this year, then ultimately I think we're just going to have to find something else that sticks.
1: Yeah, at this, for this point, we've gone two seasons, haven't seen it once. So it's kind of a make or break year for that punishment altogether or uh, any punishment for our league. It comes down to the point where we're going to take any of them seriously. So I think it's definitely critical this year that we get this punishment correct. So if that's just amending the original ACT, which everybody we've had on so far we've talked about joe's idea with uh proctoring exam ourselves has loved it uh derek and i both think it's a great idea it seems like things are really trending that it's heading that direction so um definitely going to be a big year for the punishment because we we need to see it this year finally
2: yeah and i think our league i think we're guilty of of constantly tweaking in these early these early days i mean we've Gosh, how long have we been around for? I don't know if anyone's... Who's the league historian? How many seasons have we been in existence? I think five. And it feels like every year of that four or five, uh, you know, there's been a new rule introduced. There's been a new tweak to something. You know, that's just kind of the nature of it. Um, But it feels like we're starting to settle in here. I don't think anyone's proposing adding, like, defensive players or, you know anything like that at this point, I think the structure of the league is pretty well settled. And if we can just get this punishment component figured out, then we can have the basis of, a, you know, of some stability of something to look forward to and, and know that, you know, this is how we draft. This is, this is the, these are the league rules. This is the punishment. Um, I just think setting expectations just kind of helps everyone all around.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think there's the argument out there though, that the expectations were set for the ACT and then, Here we are, year three into the punishment, and nobody's taking it. But I I think with Reedy's idea there, it is kind of a nice, like you said, it gets the spirit of it, and we've talked about that on the podcast. Uh, Now, I'm curious, Tim. You said you've listened to one podcast. Which
2: episode did you listen to? Oh, shit. That's a good question. Uh, Who is the guest on that? Um,
1: We we can't uh, help you. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no i know i know right um i'm racking my brain here i, I remember hearing kaylin's voice yeah, so it might be with Kalen. yeah no that's probably a good guess right <laughs> uh, good yeah unless he was like a celebrity shot on somebody else's
1: <laughs>
2: no, no, we that, haven't that, gotten that, that is good it yet
1: to bring in uh people to uh break up other people's interviews that's that probably coming at some point but it, we haven't done it yet
2: well, hey, in, in true league fashion, why not tweak it, right? Got, <laughs> next year, three segments, three guests. Fuck it.
0: No, what Perfect. I want what I want is like WWE style break-ins where like out of nowhere, you just hear like somebody's theme music. And then like, <laughs> boom, here's Dave on the podcast. Like that's what oh, I want. Oh, man. <laughs> can we I edit like Skype
1: dial tones so everybody gets,
0: gets their own? <laughs> I can add it in in post-production. It'll be fine.
2: Why don't you give me uh? Why don't you either give me um Stone Cold Steve Austin, or uh, who is it? oh Hulk Hogan's right? Yeah. I'm a real American. Yeah, let's there do that one. Very there DC might be
1: some mean. copyright concerns to go through with the uh, podcast, but I'm sure we can get around them somehow.
2: You know what? As a as a man of the legal studies, uh, I'm gonna say we're fine. Uh, you may want to talk to an actual lawyer, and uh, luckily we have one of those too
0: listen I'll take something and just adapt it lightly so it avoids copyright but uh, we get we get the spirit of it.
2: That's it there we go
0: Now Tim, since you didn't listen to the podcast uh, and I'm hoping that after this it changes your excitement for the podcast but I won't I won't hold you to it Now one of the things we talked about recently was our new division and the schedule release and one of the highlights we talked about, were the rivalries that are coming out of this. Now, the first rivalry that we have you in is with Kevin Hulick. Now, as I'm sure you remember, you and Kevin, both uh, along with myself, participated in the Fitch High School speech and debate team. So, fittingly, this is called the Power Round Rivalry. Wow. You face off against Kevin in both week five and week nine in divisional matchups. Uh, any comments on the rivalry with Kevin?
2: Oh, wow. That's a uh, really, really good schedule making there. I don't a credit to whoever did that. Uh, I don't think it was either you U2. So here's to the algorithm, I suppose. No, uh, Tony
0: Perenni. Tony Perenni it, it was one shooters. of us. Yep. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow, Uh, wow. Took 20
1: different computers in about six months, but uh, it popped out the final schedule finally.
2: Okay, okay. Well, all credit to you then. Um, Yeah, I think that's inspired. Uh, Obviously, getting two matchups against Kevin. Because that's, now correct me if I'm wrong here, we don't get two matchups against everyone in the league, right? I mean, the math just doesn't work out on that. Again, not the math guy. Uh, (laughs) So, do I play Kevin the most? Uh, just the
1: division all the people in your division, you'll play twice. So uh,
2: okay, okay, cool. Everybody um,
1: else, you'll play once.
2: Gotcha. Okay, well, you know, at least we're in the same division, so that's going to naturally create a rivalry. But I think you add this extra layer to your point, Derek, about, uh, you know, we got history. We got history. Spent a lot of Saturdays together. Uh, actually just crashed on his couch recently. I officiated a wedding and um, ended up getting delayed due to weather. So I and up having to sleep in Kevin's uh, – Let's just say Kevin's Bachelor pad. I don't know if you've been to Kevin's apartment lately, but uh, it's about as sparse as mine is. (laughs) So I guess, uh, you know what, you can call it the Battle of the Bachelors if you want a little bit of a Game of Thrones take Love uh, with the alliteration there. So there you go. There's another piece of content for you. But I'm here for it. I'm excited. Uh, Kevin knows that shit's weak. So, uh, yeah, he's in for it.
0: Now, we have you in another rivalry, and this one I'm really excited about. Now, you and Tony are also in the same division, so you face each other twice. First time in week three, the training wheels are still going to be on. But then again, last week of the season with playoff implications. Now, there's so many, so many areas of your and Tony's friendship that it was hard to pick which one to really go after as far as referencing this rivalry. But we chose to go for the college years when you roomed together. So your rivalry with Tony is called The Clash at Kreischer.
2: Wow. Great name. Great name. Alliteration here. This is super, super. Uh, yeah. No, there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot to unpack here. This is, a. Uh... This is a long standing rivalry. There's a uh, there's the many a beer uh, beer ode from one matchup to another, both in football. And if you can imagine, we we're both uh, somewhat skilled fantasy hockey owners. Um, certainly, Derek, you recall. Um,
0: oh, yes. I recall losing very badly in fantasy yeah. hockey.
2: Yeah. You as, the, as the other skilled. Owner, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's,
1: right. That's
2: right. That's right. So, you know, this is this is story. This is this is why you play the game. This is a storied rivalry. Uh, it goes back for years. Probably one of the longer rivalries in terms of fantasy sports. It spans multiple leagues. You know, we've jumped around from, um, you know, the independents together, you know, uh, to this to this version. So, uh, wow. You know, Clash at Kreischer, I appreciate that. I think if we had to have a, uh, since the league is corporate sponsors this year, right? Um, yep. Gosh, I'm going to try to think of maybe something from Kreischer that, uh, rings a bell because I, I know if we were doing this thing, uh, reference founders hall, which was the year two residence hall, uh, there would definitely be a, a, baked potato pizza on the line. That was a, uh, or no, what was that? Uh, potato skin pizza, which is sort of a grotesque combination of sour cream and, and cheese and bacon, uh, and, uh, well, it was probably the reason I looked the way that I looked for many
1: years. <laughs> but Protest uh, is probably
2: a good, yeah. yeah, just sort of a Franken pizza. Uh, so, yeah, let's say if we uh, if we end up at the uh, end of the season and and one of us carries the two game advantage over the other uh, one owes the other a uh, potato skin pizza. Uh, horrifying as that sounds.
1: I think that could be worked out for sure. I, I think you should just name your team Mama Margie's Pizza and call it a day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Mama Margie's. There we go.
1: Bring it I back.
2: That's Yeah, I'm here for it. I wish I could remember any of the other generic, like, vaguely Asian-themed food stations. Uh, I got to talk to my guys at uh, Chartwell's to see which uh, which branding was uh, period-specific, period period-accurate circa uh, 2012, 2013.
1: That's right. Ch- changing carriers midway through our college careers probably didn't help in that aspect. And feel like they no. were always shuffling at something new.
2: That's true. And actually, I need to uh, I need to amend that. I always get my goddamn. I always get my high school years and my college years uh, mixed <laughs> up. It turned out we would have been freshmen, two thousand eight to two thousand nine. So let's, uh, you can keep oh, that in there. You can keep oh, that in there. I, I accept my faults. <laughs> I want not want to say it.
1: anything, but... One take's all it takes.
2: <laughs> you know what? Look, you only get one take in this world, man. And uh, damn it if my brain isn't just a little bit fried these days. There you go. Take me as I am.
0: <laughs> Join the club. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, we appreciate you joining us here on the Frosty Podcast. Always great to catch up. And uh, look forward to draft day to see how everything shakes out for you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to seeing you boys in the uh, in the message board. All right, so great stuff
0: from uh, Coach Tim Taft. Uh, it definitely unorthodox draft strategy last year. I think unorthodox keeper strategy this year. Uh, Tony, how do you think it's going to pay off for him?
1: I'm still picking myself off off, off the floor from the uh, David Johnson news. I didn't see that coming at all. Um, and very interesting. It seems like he's kind of doing a 180 from his strategy last year, where he, uh, he's trying to lock up some guys before the draft this year. but he's probably the only guy we've talked to so far who is keeping both his keepers from the previous year and moving them forward. So obviously liked what he saw last year, likes their potential for this year, doesn't feel a need to change. And that's, that's probably the right call on his point.
0: Yeah. I'm, you know, I don't think we're going to be in a situation where we're talking about him having $15 left over after the draft. He only has 114 to spend to fill out the rest of his roster. So uh, definitely interested to see, Who is the next biggest uh, money grab, so to speak? Uh, Who does he spend the next most on? Uh, It's definitely going to be an interesting draft for him.
1: Yeah, the second podcast in a row, we had some pretty good uh, draft philosophy talk going on as far as the values of people um, and where we expect them to go in our league as opposed to the ESPN rankings. Um, Definitely interesting to hear people's thoughts around that. I I think for the most part, everybody's, been right about it where you know the amount we're going to pay for people is going to be sometimes vastly different than what ESPN is projecting just because of how much smaller our talent pool
0: is going to be so again a reminder to everybody the trade window is open keepers are due Monday August 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern time the draft of course is Monday August 26th 8 p.m. Eastern time make sure you get your dues into Joe before the draft day uh, catch us next time. We will have Coach Kevin Hulick on, talking about his season last year. He was sneakily good, Tony. I think he was underappreciated most of the year, but ha- ended up with a great a great year. He really
1: was, Derek. And uh, it, just looking at the, the roster he had, especially after that Saquon Barkley deal, where he just handed Steve the championship, um, he was still able to hold it together after that. So. Anxious to hear uh, what his strategies are going to be going into next season. He's obviously a very skilled fantasy owner. Um, let's, let's be honest. This this next podcast is going to be about five minutes of us asking his questions and 30 minutes of me yelling at him for trading Saquon to Steve.
0: All that and more next time on the Frosty Podcast. For Tony Peretti, I'm Derek Frost. Here's to hoping you don't have to sharpen your pencils.
1: That's about all I got going on. How about you?
0: Uh, Nothing much. Maverick's just chewing like crazy. Can you hear it?
1: No, I I can hear Delilah chewing in my background. (laughs) I gave her her a bone to distract her from her shitting. That's good. Hoping it lasts. Did
0: she eat something or what?
1: I don't know. Not sure. It's like the third day of it now. She took a sample to the vet. Day. Lauren, Lauren thinks she has like the giardia or something like that, some type of parasite thing. Yeah. I'm not convinced. I think she has diarrhea, but
0: three days though is a long time.
1: It is, but it, it lasts this long for her typically. So. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I hope you're gonna you're gonna post this this discussion of us and uh, Delilah shitting. I can see it's recording.
0: I wasn't going to, but it'll be
2: safe. (laughs) (laughs) All right.